rank is live now. The rank is on the air. All right. Now I'm Greetings, rank rats, and welcome to the first live video ringcast featuring a uh, a virtual panoply of rank stars, including from the upper left, Ron Luce, Jeff Osborne, Yo, John Fitzgerald, Eric Johnson, Aaron Hello. Goldschmidt, after whom this episode has been named eric andrews and myself yours truly john jacob here we're gonna just uh let this thing we have no agenda tonight we're just gonna kind of let this thing fly uh, yeah, roll with it you can you can put uh some some questions in the uh comments section of our live uh video i believe yes <laughs> i'm hoping um, and perhaps we'll get to those tonight. And uh, looks like, looks like we have another guest joining us as well. Who is this person? <laughs> Tirabasi. Hey. Yeah. All right. Mario's joining us. So. Better change my picture. We know that's why you all. Came. <laughs> I'm not changing mine. <laughs> there he is. The great Mario. Hello. You guys Mario, how you doing? What's up, Mario? Hey, what's, what's going on, guys? You've already been introduced, so. Oh, hey, hello, <laughs> Chill everyone. Out, relax. What's going on? <laughs> so, for our first topic, uh, Gate, you wanted to uh, perhaps delve into the latest um, exploits, because everything he does are exploits, of Dylan Secura. <laughs> oh? Well... <laughs> Moving on to our next topic. <laughs> Mario does not want to speak on that. What on Dylan? Yes. I mean, I mean, he's he's a, a great four A player. And that's that's my official comment. Mario, elaborate for our audience on what a four A player is, please. For a player, that's, I mean, that's the guy who's on, uh, you know, in a, in a spot where you're going to do really well pretty much at the AHL level, gotcha. but not necessarily is going to translate to the NHL level. And I think that's kind of exactly what we've seen from Dylan. Fair enough. I think that we would all somewhat concur with that uh, assessment. Anybody yeah. want to take a counterpoint on that? <laughs> no. No. Right. What about so, David Runblad? I want to hear about David Runblad. Is he still playing? I think he's in, in Europe Switz somewhere. Switzerland, I think. I think he's in somewhere, the KHL, yeah. actually. Honestly, I think he's in the KHL. Is he with uh I'm gonna butcher it, Yokrit still or Jokrit or whatever it's called? Jokrit. I don't know. Well that would be appropriate. Jokerit. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> All right, so we've gone from Dylan Sakura to David Rumblatt. Um, what? Uh, so what? What's kind of uh, bubbling up in uh, your collective consciousness, gentlemen, with, regarding our uh, interrupted hockey season? And uh, how about the? How about we discuss the possibilities of a resumption of play at some point, and what what that might look like? Who wants to go first? They listen to us all the time, so you guys, this is your stage, boys. <laughs> I'll, I'll be short and sweet. I don't expect the season to resume. I don't. It's it's 
a reality that I think is really tough to swallow for, especially for all of us who are diehard, not just hockey fans, but sports fans. But I think it's really a long shot for the 2020 season to finish. So that's, I just, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. I think I agree with Mario on that too, just because if you do postpone it and let's say they resume in July and they finish it up and then you go into a playoffs, it's, you're just throwing everything else off then for next season. So the next season is a crazy, you know, whirlwind of a year, whether they're trying to consolidate games and do less time or whether they're, you know, if you, you can't extend that season, cause then it's, you know, impacting the following season. So I think at this point, especially with the uncertainty of, you know, this could be realistically like, for example, with baseball, I, I could easily see a 4th of July weekend being opening day for baseball at the earliest. And so it's like, you know, at that point, you almost might be better just saying, you know what, it is what it is, unfortunately. And then just keeping everything in, in normal cadence kind of uh, going into the fall. And then. I agree with Ron. Like, so let's say they resume the NHL season, then it throws a whole wrench into your off season, the draft, like you've got to think about it in terms of that. There's, there's things that follow this season and the off season, essentially like, and, and, and if so, it's, let's say they resume the NHL season, then it throws a whole wrench into your off season, the draft. Like you've got to think about it in terms of that. There's, there's things that follow this season and the off season, essentially. Like, and, and if so, it's, let's say they resume the NHL season, then it throws a whole wrench into your off season, the draft. Like you've got to think about that? it in terms of that. There's, you there? there's things that follow I'm this here. season. And I keep hearing myself go. Oh, sorry. <laughs> On repeat there. Yeah, I was like, am I remixed or? <laughs> it was such a good point. We had to hear it more than once. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm not me anymore. Somebody somebody else. Yeah, I'd say the regular season would have just ended right now, at last, this past Saturday, I think. So the, pl- the playoffs would have started today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Playoffs would be going. Without I the mean, Hawks. Without the Hawks, yes. Yeah, exactly. And by the time anything is safe to play again i mean you're just too far into the summer pushing everything back it's just to me there's no point in starting it up again just well i kind of brought this up i kind of brought this up with john earlier and i mean the logistics of like signing you know getting buildings uh that are going to be open there's going to be people that are going to be scheduling concerts there's going to be the nba there's going to be you're gonna have a lot of problems with buildings being open and then the fact that people are going to have to travel. Um, they, they, I've heard some crazy scenarios about, you know, they play all the games like in one place, kind of like with the rumor with baseball of them all playing in Arizona and things like that. Like th- then you're starting to get into a, into a point where you're going to play the playoffs and you're going to end and then you're going to have free agency and you're going to have like a week and a half. And then you're going to start the, the, the next season. Like that's just unsafe for the players. You're going to have players getting injured. I can't see the NHL. The NHLPA wants to play, but they're not going to put the players in, in danger. So exactly. that's my biggest concern. People, gotta, you always have to appreciate the, the problems that the NHLPA can cause and will cause um, if they feel like the players' interests in health and safety and money are not being served. <laughs> so... Yeah, if they're, I mean, if they're gonna if they're gonna be anti World Cup of Hockey because it's too early to start playing games where guys are expected to play, it's like there's no way they're gonna 
sandwich uh, an entire playoff playoff uh, you know season and then expect to start you know in October like nothing happened. And is the Olympics still on the table for next year? So if it like in terms of hockey players going in two years, so it's just there's a lot of logistics into it. It's well, I not- think with the I think with the Summer Olympics being postponed that that's going to cause an issue with the winter Olympics as well. You're going to have some scheduling around that as well. It's going to push everything down the road a little bit. Anyone else care to comment on this? Aaron, come on for you, Colorado. What do you guys have to say out there? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this your year. Yeah, if I was, you know, a Blackhawks fan or something, you know, I'd want to get this season over with too. I'd, I'd be talking about safety as well. So, um, <laughs> so as are two points out, um, they were talked about as um, one of the up and coming teams this year. They were one of the favorites to go to go all the way uh, after taking a couple steps the last couple of years. Uh, you know, they got the Calder, um, you know, one A and one B. They got Kale McCarr on the team, and they're building, and they got a lot of pieces coming up. So, yeah, it, it is really disappointing to Colorado Avs fans. Um, not to mention that they haven't had any other games telecasted uh, on Comcast this year. Um, it's it's definitely been a struggle for the hockey market here. But, um, you know, everybody was really looking forward to having the Avs um, in the playoffs and as well as the Nuggets. The Nuggets are doing really well. Um, so having those two teams in downtown Denver night after night in the playoffs, I know the Blackhawks and Bulls have done that before and it's pandemonium. It's crazy. The city is just on fire and uh, yeah, everybody was looking forward to that. And, and I think if you can... That happened in Vancouver. It did go very well. <laughs> I think if you can salvage some sort of um, playoff, and yes, there's going to be an asterisk for it, but even if you can play the games with no fans and just have a, a little tournament and maybe you don't call it the Stanley Cup, maybe you call it something else, but um, I think the players want that. So I, I would be for it. The Corona Cup and Corona Beer sponsors it. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> but qu- the question is, Aaron, would you trade Kale McCarr for Patrick Kane? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> just, I don't know, just a thought I had. <laughs> um, yes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, dear, uh, dear viewers, dear readers, this was uh, one of our more ill-fated um stories that we printed at one time <laughs> but it was fun however are we, going, are we going down this road is this happening? Yeah. However, we're just one, explaining the one in aaron's background we cannot take credit for so, I mario will, can though another publication will have to take credit for that one i'll take so. damn credit for that one that was, <laughs> that was a good idea three four years ago <laughs> and it didn't work plans. out yeah. it Almost didn't just- work out Almost as good as my uh, my uh, other publication. I believe I wrote Ben Smith for second line center at one point. Ooh. I need to make that my virtual background, Sean. I think that was after. I think that was after his uh, his uh, hat trick in the um, Vancouver the first round against Vancouver. I believe <clears throat> in, in Game Six, if I'm correct. They won't be showing that on Hawks Rewind now. <laughs> no. We don't need to rewind that series. Finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions like, how do I find a pro who can help? Will they do a good job? Will I get a fair price? That's where HomeAdvisor can help. 
From leaky faucets to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. Read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free HomeAdvisor app to start your next project. My name is John Cuban. I'm the host of a new podcast series called Real Narcos. It follows the stories of the world's most dangerous drug lords and the American special agents who hunted them down. When you work undercover, you have to play the role because you stand to lose more than just an Oscar. We didn't have sophisticated software. That didn't exist. The software was a pen and paper. You are a doorway away from the most wanted man in the world. You're not expecting him to go down without a fight. Follow Real Narcos wherever you listen to podcasts. I think we should make all our backgrounds blocked by a certain unnamed account. <laughs> I'll have to definitely work on that one. Yeah. That's a good idea. That's really a good idea. Yeah, but Aaron, tell us a little more about what's going on in Colorado, because I don't know that a lot of the uh, people who actually come to the rank uh, know what's going on out there, and you've been covering them for pretty much most of the year, and you guys have been doing a great job out there. And uh, just kind of give us kind of what's what's going on out there, how fun it is, because it's certainly not fun in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a fun year. And there are a lot of things that this team is going through that the 09-10 Blackhawks went through. Um, and that was a lot of um, – they're not perfect, you know. Um, I think they're a hardworking team. They got a lot of different pieces. Um, it's not all just skill. It's not all grit. Um, I think Joe Sackick really just gets it. Um, he's yeah. got players up and down the lineup. Um, he's got McKinnon. He's got Matt Calvary, a lot of fan favorites. And I think he's really doing a great job drafting and building um, through the draft and getting those players exposure. And the big story this year has really been uh, the injuries. And I'm sure you guys know this. Um, Ranton has been out a couple times. Colin Wilson has been out all year. And Azam Kadri Grubauer has had issues uh, with his, I think his good, good groin injury. Uh, Burakovsky. So a lot of these guys who have had, really good years. The three guys you picked up, uh, I think it was Burakovsky, um, Donskoy, these guys that he picked up are having great years, but it seems like they just can't stay on the ice. Um, and they also had an issue later in the season with giving up late game goals, um, which is something that every team kind of goes through, but it started to become more than just um, a couple games. It was like, they really couldn't get it together. And then they started to come on really strong and, um, towards the end. And then we kind of just got cut off. So everything was just kind of up in the air. It seemed like they were really pushing. Uh, I think they're two points out of first place and giving St. Louis a run for their money, but no, very talented team. Um, I'm not sure about the goaltending. The defensive depth is phenomenal. It's, it's been a lot of fun watching Kale McCarr. I mean, I don't want to say he's, I'm, I'm not just going to say generational talent um, because that's for, for a very select few uh, number of players, but he's uh he's got something that not a lot of guys have and you can definitely see that out there in the skating. And he's definitely a way, way different player than he was in college. Um, than I saw, uh, when he played at UMass, I saw him at the frozen four just seems like he has more confidence in the NHL and playing with better players maybe. And, um, but yeah, it just, this team is, is ready to roll and, uh, they're going to be adding players like Bo Byram, um, They've got Logan O'Connor coming up from the University of Denver who signed last year. Uh, they've got Martin Kaut. So a lot of nice pieces um, ready to take that next step, but it's just uh, bad timing, I guess. Yeah, bad timing for sure. But if the season is able to resume, it looks like they'll come back healthy, which would be huge for them. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But you guys have been doing a great job out there. Uh, you want to give a shout out to your the rest of your team out there, just because since they're not here to join us tonight. Absolutely, Lucas, JJ, uh, Marie, they're all doing such a great job. Um, you know, we kind of wanted to start this uh, Rink Colorado division for a really long time, and I was like, please don't make me cover the Avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and turns out I did it um, in a pretty good time. But you know, I've covered the University of Denver for a long time and got to see Ian Mitchell play for a few years, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of really cool hockey out here and, and the team does such a good job, um, trying to grow our market and, and get out there. So, um, yeah, everybody's phenomenal and couldn't ask for more. We're, uh, hoping to have a really strong finish to the year. Awesome. Cool. Well, great job out there. And, uh, everyone who's interested in all that can go to our site, www.thatashrink.com and check out the avalanche section, uh, where Aaron and all those good people do their work. Aaron is joining us tonight from the Rank Colorado Studios, where we have old uh, Second City Hockey, or is that Blackhawk Up? I can't remember. Um, I didn't, I didn't write for Second City. That was Mario. Second. That that is the Blackhawk Up article. I can tell so by these old, slideshow buttons. <laughs> yep, that's totally it. Are there fifty ads in the middle Blink, of that too. Blinking red arrows. Yeah. Click Mario, here. Put up the Will Butcher sign with the Blackhawks audio that Aaron wrote. Just put that one up behind you <laughs> oh yeah i'd have to find that one he was in love with will butcher hey i was w- i would have taken <laughs> i, mean, I would have got taken will butcher at that time yeah. so would have i but will butcher has 200 nhl games under his belt aaron had an unhealthy obsession i think well <laughs> which one <laughs> i have an unhealthy obsession with calendelia so that's true yeah. no that's that's totally healthy and just <laughs> thank <laughs> okay. you mario Round just, table. Let's go to Aaron the end of the year. Let's go to Eric Andrews about talk about his unhealthy obsession. Well, first, what about Lance Boma? <laughs> it's not my turn yet, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Lance Boma is uh, Aaron's secret obsession, as well as that of uh, the official lounge singer of uh, the Rank.com, Gordy Clifton. Oh, so that's something that they share together, which is beautiful. So, Gabe, where else should we where should we steer this next? Well, uh, we could talk about this latest news with uh, the Dylan Strom possibly could be on the trade block uh, situation. Uh, you know, we could kind of talk about that a little bit. I mean, I was floated by Elliot Friedman that he could possibly be on the block. Not uh, there are no you know definite. Uh, prices out there as far as an ask for him, but knowing how much, you know, he could ask for, you know, he could get in the area of $4 million a year, which right now the Blackhawks may not be able to uh, be able to afford based on their cap situation. So he may be on the block, which I think we talked about this a little earlier. And I thought that that they were for sure going to sign him because I think that they kind of uh, look at it as to bring it success is somehow tied to, Dylan Strom being at his side and being able to pass the puck to him. So I was sure that they were going to do it. So this, this was kind of news to me, but I don't uh, know. Go ahead. It feels to me, it felt to me this year that somehow uh, Strom got himself in the doghouse, you know, Um, being moved out to wing kind of being moved around to different lines. And yeah, I thought I, you know, as far as the whole theory of, of him and to being joined at the hip and, 
Um, I would have totally bought that a year ago, but this year it seems like they didn't really care about that. And uh, um, for some reason, you know, um, to bring it, they kept really for the most part giving opportunities to, to succeed where for whatever reason, it just seems like Strom got pushed down to the end of the trough a little bit. And as is often the case, you know, there could be some backstory here. I mean, there could be some kind of a dynamic, you know, in the dressing room or in his training habits, or he looked at Colton the wrong way. I don't, you know, I don't know. It just, it just struck me that it really seemed like um, he became kind of almost, you know, a man without a position and a man without a line this year. And uh, um, it, it didn't. So the fact that, or the, the theory or the rumor that he's being shopped does not surprise me. Right. Inside the money. Ryan, come on, give us what you got to say here. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's I think it's an interesting situation too, because I, I think you know John hit on a lot of good points. You know, especially I mean, just think back. I, I remember attending a game back in uh early December, I wanna say, and your fourth line was Debrinkit, Strom, and insert player here. I don't even remember who it was. And so I agree. I mean, he's been he's been moved around probably more than any player this year in the lineup. I mean, he's been on the third line. He's been on, as you mentioned, on the wing. He's been playing second line center. You know, they've taken him off that top power play unit at times in favor of Doc. So it, it does kind of seem like he's fallen out of favor. And, I mean, he was still having statistically a pretty decent year um, overall given the the state of the team in terms of offense. You know, but he he wasn't replicating those numbers from last year. And, you know, there's a very good possibility that he priced himself out too in, in you know, early negotiations. Maybe he's thinking that, you know, obviously he's not going to get what Debrinket got, but, you know, maybe even if he's coming anything higher than four and, you know, as you mentioned, they're going to be in cap trouble again, even though they're still a garbage team. And there's just no room for that right now, especially for a, a big slow center that, you know, can score, but is streaky at times and, you know, has only really had one good season since he was drafted. Yeah. It, the strange thing is when I was doing projections, we were about, I don't know, 40 games in or something. I think we were at the halfway point or something like that. I was doing some projections and I was projecting out what, what players, uh, you know, what, what their numbers might look like at the end of the season, if we actually hit the end of the season. And Dylan Strom was actually on pace to actually hit somewhere around what he had last year, minus the time that he missed for injury, which was, which shocked me, honestly, uh, you know, everything else I pretty much expected to bring it being, you know, 20 goals instead of 40 goals and, everything else kind of really played out how, how we imagined or what the impression was that we had. But Dylan Strom was really weird. Like he's actually having a decent year, but the injury bug kind of got him. And then, uh, you know, I think Colleton kind of soured on him a little bit and maybe he wasn't giving Colleton what he, what Colleton wanted and uh, you know, pushing him down the lineup and it, it was just weird. Well, and I think and, just, just imagine if, you know, he maybe is getting full time in that, you know, even as a third line center playing with a maybe one quality wing with, I mean, Debrinkit was playing third line wing time at points this season. Um, you know, even if you give him some better opportunities, it seemed like there was times where he was playing with just whoever and they didn't care, but right. he, I agree. He had statistically, he was, he was having a good season. He was on pace to have about the same numbers he did last year. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened with Strom. I personally am a fan of Strom. I do like Dylan Strom. Um, 
So I would, I would be a little bummed to, to see him traded. I guess it would depend on the return. Um, the last time the Blackhawks traded an impending RFA, it literally stopped me in my tracks at work and I was useless for an hour when Brandon Saad was originally traded. Um, so, you know, I don't think I would have that same reaction here, but hopefully, you know, if they do trade him, if it's, you know, as, as cliche as it sounds, hopefully it's a good hockey trade if they do trade him and it's not just for a bag of bucks. Well, I think the thing with trading Strom at this point is that, um, you know, he, he might not have the, the value that he's going to be asking for. And we all know the Blackhawks are going to be in, uh, you know, cap having some cap issues. So if you can, flip him for something of, of value at this point, knowing what you gave up to get him. I think the, if the Blackhawks can come out as winners in a, in a trade scenario like that, I think they'll probably take that over maybe rolling the dice, giving him a contract in, in the you know $4 million or $3 million range and maybe avoid getting bitten on that. And if Strom goes out and maybe this, this year it shows up as an anomaly, well, I mean, if they can if they can get some value back from him, I think the Blackhawks are in a situation where they'll probably take that over rolling the dice on a contract. I mean, for the black as far as the Blackhawks goes, this this could be uh, a blessing in disguise because you know there was a point last year where people were thinking that you know uh, Strom and DeBrinket could both you know could be over ten million dollars for the combo. And uh, that wouldn't that wouldn't be any good for them right now. So, what is the return? What what would the return be for Dylan Strom? I guess what would be the what would be the asking price for former like, first round pick? Elite of- <laughs> needs okay. a change of scenery, right? David Runblad. Speaking of that, our boy Ray uh, Nepientek, he had a question about uh, a former first-round draft picks, which c- it could be the return. <laughs> I have to uh, pull them up, but uh, there were a couple of them that he he actually had mentioned. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to think about what what the return could be, right? I mean. I, I have a weird feeling that it would they would probably just try and get draft picks. It just that's just my hunch, I guess. But you know, even if they could get a guy that's at least a bottom six forward would be nice, I think. And maybe like a pick, maybe like a third, fourth, and a bottom six. I don't think that would be an awful ask. Um, you're certainly not gonna get a a uh you know Brandon Sod type haul. Now, granted, in hindsight, that haul really didn't produce anything worth noting, but um, I don't, I don't think you're going to get that, but you know, you would hope they get something. I mean, he, he was a 50 point center and was on pace to be a 50 point center yet again. So hopefully they could at least get a roster player and, you know, a mid round pick that, you know, who knows? It, it seems like the, the most success Bowman has had and guys he's willing to keep are guys he doesn't pick in the first round. Cause you look at his, you know, trade history, any guy he's picked in the first round is more likely than not going to be traded. So. I would, I think, Ron, you, you touch on something. I, I have a feeling that, um, see, I, I mean, I think, I, I think Bowman has reached a point now where there's enough people calling for his job that I think he's going to be very careful about, um, you know, how or what a, a given return for a player like Strom looks like and how that plays out. And that's why I think he would go more for picks because, you know, if you, for example, were to, to trade for a bottom six forward, I guarantee you people would hang him out to dry 
um, in, in you know publicly for uh, only getting a bottom six forward for uh, for uh, Dylan Dylan Strom. But you know the other thing, and, and then the other thing is is really what this team needs is this team needs more draft picks. They need more young players in the system to come along. Um, I'm not sure that that trading for any kind of an immediate return for Strom, unless some some GM is absolutely in love with them and is willing to really give you a great young player for him or a really good young player, then yeah, you take that. But I think I have a feeling that that they probably would go more along the lines of a prospect and or especially picks for Strom. Yeah, John, I, w- I was going to say the same thing that a a prospect, high end prospect, and maybe somewhere in like the second or third round pick, something like that would be more of a, more of a return. You don't necessarily need to get back a guy who's, you know, maybe able to play at the NHL level, but in a, in a low, you know, low lineup place. I think if you're looking to replace Dylan Strom, you're hoping that somebody can come in and, you know, be a, a, a two, three center or something like that, or, or, a, or a midline versatile player. Um, I don't know if you're going to get that one for one in a deal or if that would be worth it. So, yeah, I, I would be along the same lines of, you know, hope for maybe a, a, a second round, third round pick um, and, and get a maybe a, a high end caliber prospect that's, you know, maybe one or two years away from contributing at the NHL level. I feel like you guys are putting a ceiling on Dylan Strom and he's only 22 and he scored 50 points in the NHL. Can you tell me why you feel like that's the most you're going to get out of him? Just val- just, I mean, value right now. Uh, you know, he came in, he came into the, to the Oregon, you know, kind of blew the doors off of expectations and that, I mean, that hurts him. I mean, if, if he, it hurts him this year because yeah, he's, he's again on a, on a 50 point pace, but he was on almost, like what, like a, like a mid to upper 70 point pace for a full season last year, only playing 50 some games. Now, if he's on a 50 point pace this year, it's yeah, the numbers even out, but over a 82 game season, it's not the same. I mean, if he, if he, if, he, if, if his potential is, you know, uh, a two, three center, who's going to give you 50 points a year. That's great. Every team will take that. But I, I, I don't know. It just seems like, it seems like to him, if he's not paired with the, with the right guys, it's going to be, I don't know. I don't see the, I don't see a lot of the doors being blown off from, from, from Dylan Strom. I think if he's paired with, you know, an Alex to bring it and a Patrick Kane, yeah, he's going to, he's going to put up points, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the, if the Blackhawks are, are all in on, on giving him that and, given him the contract that he may be expecting. Right. So is it more of like you and not just you, Mario, but everybody, your opinion, do you not like him as a player to keep him or is it more you, we can't afford him. Um, and it's just, we can't go that route or is it more like we've I, seen enough? I think it's the, I think it's the affordability. So I, I don't know. I, I don't have a, a definitive answer for that, but I'll just, I, and I think you ask her, you raise a really good question. Um, but I think that, you know, if you look at the Blackhawks last year, uh, when not only Strom, but a lot of other players had really big offensive, you know, production years, including Eric Gustafson and Kane and, and I mean, everybody, but 
the team literally did not play any defense. And it could well be that Colleton is looking at his team and saying, okay, who are guys that I know can, can be reasonably productive offensively, but can also be part of a much more responsible team defensively. And I, I don't have a, a, you know, a, a hard and fast knock on Strom that he's a bad defensive player. But one thing I do know is that as a center, you've got to cover 200 feet of ice and he is not the greatest skater in the world. He's not terribly strong physically. And most of the centers in the West are really big physical guys like Mark Shifley and, um, uh, you know, uh, the guys at Nashville, they're all big and strong guys and real hard to handle. And I, I think that may be why they're, you know, they're saying, look, that, that really great season in 1819, maybe a little bit of an anomaly because basically the team played no defense. It was all run and gun. Um, and you know, if we're going to play more of a disciplined structured style, um, maybe he doesn't fit in with that. That's, I'm not saying that's definitely the case, but I could see that being part of this. Well, and you, you think about too, uh, you know, I think to back your thought on that, you know, JJ about how, you know, Carlton wants these more two-way responsible centers, you know, look at what the opportunities he gave to Ryan Carpenter this season. There was times that Ryan Carpenter was playing with Patrick Kane. So I think, I think that kind of backs that idea of he wants guys that are going to be able to be two-way guys. And, I think the more and more that Doc proved himself as being one of those tight players, that's when you saw his ascent in the lineup as well. So maybe that that is actually a very good point because it, it seemed like the only center that was consistently playing center that didn't ever, you know, that was moved around from just that center spot was in fact Dylan Strom. Everybody else, even David Camp, when he was consistently playing, was still playing a center role because he could play def- uh, defensively. Yeah, I want to jump on that real quick. Um one thing that I've kind of thought about Strom throughout this whole season is looking long-term, where does he fit? Because if he's, I mean, I think we can all agree that he's really an offensive type of a player. And if you want him in the middle, he doesn't really have a spot if Kirby Doc can step in as a number two center next season, for example. Um so then you're almost forced to move him to the wing if you want to get that offensive production out of him. Cause I don't think you necessarily want to drop, you know, a, a good scoring winger next to him on the third line and be playing somebody like that less just to be playing with him and be getting production out of him. So I think that could be another thing, you know, with what they want to do with him moving forward is where do they see him <laughs> fitting in if they do see him fitting in. Is that a hot take, Eric? Kirby Doc, 2C? Well, you'd hope that he'd be a top six forward eventually. <laughs> All right, you heard it here first on the rink. I think you could <laughs> argue that, too, for Strom, because he's another former third overall pick. Mm-hmm. There you go. I was just going to say that. Good call. Yep. Also, but here, here's my thought process on Strom. This, if he doesn't work out in Chicago, this will be the second team he's played for since being the third overall pick. Like – at what point does it look like, okay, he's just going to be a journeyman guy as opposed to a guy with the potential when he was drafted third overall. Also, I mean, you look at what he did, the juniors, he played with Alex and bring it and Connor McDavid, I believe was one of his line mates if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, clearly power play time. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly when he plays with elite level talent in Connor McDavid, like he can produce, but 
if, as we see in the NHL, if like others have said, if he doesn't play with that type of talent, like look at his time in Arizona, he didn't play with elite level talent, almost the majority of his time there. And he struggled mightily. So I, I don't know. It could just be that maybe he's, he wasn't worthy of the third overall pick and the Blackhawks have seen that and they're not willing to risk that. And they're just going to move on like everybody else is going to eventually. So we have a rather succinct and uh, damning comment on Dylan Strom from our own Ray, P- Ray Napien tech in the comments quote, doesn't drive play afraid of contact. <laughs> Next time he plays with urgency will be the first time. Unquote. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so did he mention the uh, the bag of dumbbells that he carries behind him too when he skates up the ice? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so uh, anyway, we didn't mean to really harsh out on Dylan Dylan Strome, but we did. So Ray, Ray well, did. Well, he's I mean he's a he's a good player. I don't think there's any question about it. like he he's good, but I don't I I think it's I think it comes back around to you know the Blackhawks are putting it in a in a odd situation with both Strom and Debrinket needing contract extensions. They, they made their, you know, they made their first play with, with Debrinket getting the extension, which was, I mean, honestly a pretty friendly extension for the circumstance for what he got and, and where the Blackhawks probably hope that he's going to go. So for Strom, it kind of comes down to, you know, is, is, is he going to be either a affordable or are they going to, could they, you know, quote unquote, win a trade to, to, to flip them again? I, I don't, I don't think that there's, there's, I don't think there's a team that, you know, if, if affordability wasn't an issue that wouldn't give Dylan Strom a, a chance to, uh, you know, to play a, a top six, top nine center role, but I think for the Blackhawks and, and their their situation, which is, you know, unique in that they have cap issues, which is not unique to them, but just unique with their cap issues. It's just kind of comes down to a numbers game. But and he I, is trash. Jesus Christ. <laughs> scared, scared me. Go ahead. No, keep going. <laughs> no, I was just, no, I was just going to say, I think that they they're, they're probably banking on, uh, like was mentioned, Kirby Doc becoming a, a number two center behind Jonathan Taze, and probably hopeful, hope, hoping that he can, in the future, take over a, a number one center role. And they might be, you know, hedging that, you know, a guy like Evan Barrett might step in and eventually have a have a role in the in the top nine, middle six. Oh my rotation. guy, Evan Barrett! Right. I was just yeah. saying the other day, I, I kind of hope he steps in eventually and uh, turns into, you know, that replacement for David Kampf because I know uh, he has a little bit of a contentious career here with the, the Blackhawks, David Kampf, uh, where uh, Jeremy Calton had him playing second line center for a while and uh, he was way out oh, of his element. Geez. He, yeah, he's a, he's a fourth, fourth line center. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's got, you know, he's, he's a hard worker and all that stuff. And I get that, but you're not going to get more than like fourth line, you know, penalty kill. Maybe, uh, you, you know, you won't absolutely kill you in your own end, but there could be better. You could get better. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. okay. He's a fourth line center. He's okay. Yeah. 
And I was going to say, if we're arguing between, you know, centers in the Blackhawks organization that make $1 million a year, I'd rather have Ryan Carpenter playing more anyway than, than Kempf. They make the same amount of money, and I think Ryan Carpenter is more valuable as a player. So I do too. I totally mm-hmm. do. And you know what? You can have Carpenter play with more skilled players sometimes, and he actually doesn't look that out of place. He he played great with Kane, yeah. and um, I think when Strom was playing a little bit of wing with with those yeah. two, they yeah. they played really well together as a line. Yeah, yeah I've actually does been a lot of things. Yeah, I've been a fan of uh, Ryan Carpenter for what he is. I've been a fan of what he does. So yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, who else we're going to tear apart? <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, I got okay. an idea. Eric Gustafson. Oh, wait, sorry. He's gone. <laughs> I, think oh, we, I think we mined that pretty well over the last couple of years. <laughs> I'd love to hear you guys talk about um, Jeremy Carlton. Oh, boy. Ooh. What's the future Eric, of that guy? I see Eric Johnson shaking his head. Come on, jump in, Eric. I just think he's in over his head. He, uh, the scheme that he wants to play defensively, where he's got guys – his defenseman chasing forwards all over the ice, all the way up to the blue line, back around again, just just doesn't work with what he has. Speed's not there. The skill's not there for sure. And he just hasn't adjusted to that. I know there was a point in the season where they actually turned things around and there was rumors of people up top telling him to change things up, and supposedly he did. And it just – I just – I haven't been a big fan. I, I was I actually was impressed with the move when they first did it. It was kind of outside the box instead of going with a normal hockey name, but I don't think it's worked out very well. Anyone else? Come on. I, well, you know, I, I think you make a really good point, Eric, about um, the system he's trying to play and the talent not fitting it. And it, it just strikes me that somewhere along the line, there must have been conversations between him and Bowman and, um, the rest of the rest of the front office who are involved in hockey too, you know, as far as, well, do we want to adjust the system to the players we have, or do we want to keep playing the system and expect the players to adjust or get new players? And I, I suspect it's more the last it, that they, they said, no, go ahead and play the system you want to play. I mean, here's the thing. If they hired him without understanding that was, that was the defensive system he wanted to play, then shame on them. They should, they really should have known that when they hired him that that's the system he wanted to play. And I would assume, Mary, Mary, you could probably weigh in on this. I would assume that was the system he had in place at Rockford um, when he was there. Mario? He's on mute. All we have is Mario's picture at this point. Um, so anyway, but but I would, you know, I think it's a, it's a fairly safe assumption that he did. So, I mean. He's back. Mario's back. It's hard to say because. The talent has not been great. Um, he's really dealing with a team in transition, which is putting it, I think, charitably. Um, all that said, I also think that, you know, this, uh, you know, budding genius that we kind of hoped he was, he's kind of not proven himself as that. But at the same time, um, I, I'm not willing to say that this is a guy who should never coach in the National Hockey League again. But he may, no, he may not be, especially if you're going to stick with, um, you know, guys like Corey Crawford, um, you know, the Jonathan Taves, if they're really serious about Brent Seabrook coming back next year, I just, I never felt that Colleton was the right guy to be coaching those guys when he's in fact younger than all of them. Um, and certainly was less accomplished as a, as a player than all of them. And so it takes a special guy 
to come in and, and command a dressing room of those kinds of players who's never kind of done it himself, either as a player or as a coach. I mean, Scotty Bowman was not a great hockey player, but he, the things he accomplished as a coach got him that respect when he walked in the dressing room. Um, and so I think, I think that's one of many um, recent bad decisions by this front office. Cause I don't put it all in Bowman. I think it's, it's all these, these are committee decisions. And I think Colton was a committee decision. I don't think Bowman just went off by himself and said, yeah, I'm going to fire the hall of fame coach and elevate the 34 year old guy from Rockford. I don't think he did that by himself. Well, was that a power struggle though? Because I mean, uh, Quinville commanded a lot of respect. He wanted he, he, I mean, at the draft the year before, he was not impressed with the personnel decisions that were being made by Stan Bowman. He basically like, it was a power struggle in my opinion. And Bowman decided, okay, I, the, whoever decided that they gave Bowman all the power and they brought in a guy that Bowman could manipulate and, Basically, it was his guy. From from the moment they brought in Jeremy Carlton, it was their guy. I mean, they were sending NHL players down to Rockford to have that team advance in the playoffs. So they were setting this up even before they made the move. Was it the right move? It doesn't look like it. But no. they it was a power dynamic that one had to go, and now this is what we're stuck with, I think. Yeah. Well, I think the reason that they brought in Crawford was – that just in case Carlton really pooped the bed this year and they could, they could elevate. Now Crawford got kind of snared up in that whole, um, you know, uh, coaching abuse scandal. Although I think he sort of delicately pulled himself out of it as well as he handled about as well as you could expect. Um, so, you know, that's, I guess that's still a possibility at some point, but um, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't disagree with you, Sean. I mean, I, I don't think, I think, I think what it was is I just think that they felt like that Quenville had kind of lost the room, but I don't know because, because I, from what I've heard, guys like Taves and Keith still love Quenville. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe they felt Quenville was not the guy to bring along the young players, which I could see because he's Q has never been really good with really young players. Or they were just tired of having to deal with, you know, his position that he, you know, cause he can command some decisions. He has the authority, you know, to be able to make some decisions or at least weigh in on some decisions. He earned some power with that team. And maybe after a while they were looking for, you know, a time to kind of let them go so they could, you know, they could shine and do their thing. And uh, this, this was just the time because I thought it was really weird that, 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 uh, that camp they had, the uh, prospect camp they had the year or right before they um, they uh, fired Quenville, Jeremy Carlton was out there running a bunch of drills. They rarely ever had the AHL coach out there running drills and running practices for previous prospect camps. Something had changed. Something was different. And they were, you know, it, it was pretty obvious to me that they were, you know, at least grooming Carlton to maybe be an assistant, if not, be you know the the next head coach so um while it was a little surprising at the time when looking back i was like well, th- the signs were there this summer yeah yeah and it's it's kind of i think personally i think Colton was a bit rushed because i i think that was the plan all along like you you know kind of echoing what gate said there you know if they're giving him that opportunity and he had that successful um you know push with 
Rockford the year before going to the playoffs and, and upsetting the, the team that I cover the wolves, you know, in that first round. And I mean, you know, and obviously I think they put him in a just terrible situation year one. He comes in halfway through the year. He can't implement his system. So that's why you see the inflated offensive numbers. Cause they just said, go out there and do whatever the, you know, whatever you want. And, you know, that's why Debrinka puts up 40 goals and Gustafson's a 60 point defenseman and so on and so forth. And then you see this year, they really try and tighten it down. And I think you saw that next level of commitment this year as well, because, you know, they go out and get Calvin DeHaan. They go out and get Ole Mata. They go out and get these more defensively responsible guys. And then guys like Ryan Carpenter as well, doubling down on David Camp, really trying to get guys that fit the Colleton defensive scheme. But, you know, at the same time, I just, I think overall with Colleton, it was rushed. I think he would have benefited from maybe another two full seasons in Rockford as their head coach, you know, continuing to try things out that he wants to try, you know, experimenting it kind of what I call the Joe Madden effect. You know, everybody always was like, where did Joe Madden come up with all these, you know, crazy things. He's like, I tried them in the minors where nobody could see it, you know, and I think Colleton would have benefited a lot from that as well. You know, it, coaching Rockford for, you know, two to three more years. And then so, when it was time for Joel to move on or he retired or what have you, then, you know, they could elevate Colleton. At that point. So let me ask a question though. So is Jeremy Colleton a good head coach for a team full of veterans who, who want to contend for a Stanley cup? Or is he a good head, head coach of a rebuilding team with a lot of very young players? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But what you have and what you have contractually committed to is at best a mix of option A and option B. Mm -hmm. And you've been selling to the fan base option A. Um, that's that's the the schizophrenic stupidity of this front office in a nutshell. It's it, they don't make decisions according to a clear and cogent plan and goal. They don't. You know, like Ron said, I think the timing was awful. I wasn't surprised by the firing of Quinville, but was it? I can't remember how many games into the season it was, but I was, was like shocked. Twelve or thirteen? Yeah, it wasn't. It was pretty early, I think. Yeah, I just thought it was shocked by the timing, and then I think since then he was over his head, just being thrown into it, and everyone else kind of being shocked, and then the fans just never. He never won the fans over, I think, just because of the timing of that. Mm -hmm. They waited, and if they did it. The pre before the season started or waited till after the season would have been better, but uh, just give Quinville the chance. But I think you know they were just the Bowman Quinville thing. I think they were just finding any excuse to make a change. I think so. I think they honestly, I think because of the timing of it, just kind of echoing what you said. I think that that almost turned the fan base more on Colleton just because of the timing. I think I think if it is like you said, it is done at the end of a, a terrible season and. You know, they might be a little more lenient because you have three months to kind of, okay, they were terrible. We have a new coach, breathe, but it was immediate. It just happened. And so everybody's just reacting the whole season. And it's like, well, but it's Joel and everybody's pissed off. And then I think that's why you get that reaction from, you know, from a lot of Hawks fans. I know a ton of friends that hate Colton. And I think that's just a big reason is because the, the timing was poor and I, as spin zone as this might sound, I think it was just a perfect way too for Bowman and McDonough to take the pressure off of them and put it on their, their brand new 34 year old scapegoat that is clean shaven and has a nice haircut. So. Well, and it was disrespectful. It was disrespectful to the guy who brought you three championships. You're going to, 
if, if you're going to move on from a Hall of Fame coach, you do you do it in the offseason to reference another Chicago sports team that has totally destroyed what they built over time was the Bulls. When the Bulls mm-hmm. ended the 90s dynasty, they basically put it on Phil Jackson that he was leaving at the end of the season and then they were going to move on. And that's what they did. They moved on in the offseason and gave him a whole lot. But you don't fire your the guy who basically gave you all the credibility you had that you've now lost 12 games. It's just, it's disrespectful. And that's why I think a lot of fans don't are disappointed and upset about it. Like, I don't know. You don't, you you don't treat a hall of fame coach that way. You don't treat a guy who's won three Stanley cups for you that way. Mm -hmm. Well, that in like them going out and and giving that vote of confidence at the end of the previous year, you know, we're going to go into the next year and we're going to, we're, we're, we're confident in Joel. We're confident. We hashtag like our team and all that nonsense. And what are you, uh, 13 games into the season and you're firing the head coach. Unless you went 0 and 13, I think that's a little bit, uh, that's a little bit soon to be pulling the cord on that one. Yeah. I mean, he was, Carlton was thrown into a, a terrible situation. He, he wasn't ready for the locker room he was inheriting. Um, and, Quenville was not given a proper uh, send off that, that he full fully deserved. And yeah, I mean, fans, fans weren't able to adjust. They weren't able to be like, okay, Quenville's out. Who's this new guy? Uh, You know, we'll get used to it. And, you know, you do something like that in the off season and you're kind of, you kind of get the idea like, okay, like this team is now going to be focusing on moving into another direction as for the for the fan base it's like okay we can get behind that now you do it at the beginning of the season and it's just like oh so this new guy is supposedly supposed to pull us out of this which didn't really happen um and then you go into this season and it's a lot more of the same it's you know they they, they go on stretches where they look like they could be a, a potential playoff team and then other stretches where it's like they're so far from it um and you know it's 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 just it, it it seemed like it wasn't it wasn't the right roster it wasn't the right situation for Carlton. Could he coach in, in the NHL um, in the future? And you know maybe it is with the Blackhawks. I don't know. I I, I don't think he's going to last very long with the Blackhawks if they continue to have the same kind of managerial strategy that they do now. But you know I I think with with more experience he'll be a more fine-tuned coach, but I think he was just thrown into to the deep end and not really given a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of leeway. We're doing a great job. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't need to hear any of him. Yeah. Two very big words. Hey, can, can we cut that feed off already? We're, we're MSNBC, we're cutting it off, all right? <laughs> It's going to be very quickly done, <laughs> unlike websites of the past. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got a couple of good ones. <laughs> that, His press that, conferences are gold. <laughs> that one, given context, is pretty funny. Yeah, that's exactly why I pulled that one. <laughs> <laughs> that one's good. I like that one. Well, you I know. Oh, great guy very very <laughs> tremendous he's done he's doing a fantastic his job thoughts on jeremy Colleton. <laughs> i was just gonna say that's bowman talking yeah. about Colleton. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, if you guys look too, at I'm it, tired of hearing that. Of oh, we're uh, we just got to give him a give him next year's training camp or give him an off season. They just keep you know more excuses pushing it down the road of waiting for that, the team to turn around. So that's what they do. They kick the can down the road, and, and, yeah. and I honestly don't think they know what to do at this point in time. They don't. No, there's no plan. It seems like so. they don't. And the, there's really what can they really do? Because they have so many contracts with no movement clauses so unless those guys want to move they're kind of just gonna play this out until those contracts end they have to basically age out their team right exactly exactly yeah well uh i i know that um i don't know how likely this is but uh there has been mention of you know compliance buyout uh possibly to help teams that will not be able to be kept compliant because it looks like the cap's probably going to stay even or possibly could even go down. So, uh, you know, there are going to be teams that are definitely not cap compliant. I mean, look at Toronto. I mean, they're, they were using uh, LTIR to, to be $13 million over the cap. So I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, and, you know, the Blackhawks aren't in great, great position either. So if the cap goes down, uh, they, they still have to figure out what they're going to do in net. They're going to have to figure out a lot, a lot of things here. So, um, I mean, we could shift gears a little bit. What do you think about the net situation? Where do they go from here? I'll tell you one thing they're not going to do, and that's play Robin Leonard. <laughs> Zing! Well, I think they're they're screwed no. if Crawford says, I'm out of here. I mean, they're, they got a bunch of inexperienced guys who've had very little NHL time. So, I think if Crawford's got him, he's been – the man in the world or he could just walk you know and go somewhere else so he could. well you know there's one media member in the uh chicago area who thinks that the goalie market the ufa goalie market is very strong this summer so yeah. if you believe him yeah yeah well I, think and once, I mean no. go ahead. i mean if even if you believe that then what are you going to do you're going to pay braden holpe nine ten million dollars a year but you couldn't um, afford robin leonard i mean it, that's just a that's idiotic thinking. I mean, unrestricted free agency is, I mean, you're always going to overpay for quality players. It's just the nature of the beast you're going to. And um, you know, so as such, they're in trouble because they've got, they've got a goalie of the present who um, has concussion syndrome and he's 36 years old. And then there really is no clear, obvious goalie of the future doesn't mean that a really great goalie can't emerge from that group of Delia, Lankinen, Tompkins, uh, Gravel, whomever, you know, the it, new guy, who, who's that new guy, Marty Turco. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tom, Aubin? Aubin? Tom Aubin. Yeah. Is that the He's French be guy? The goalie, the Indy fuel next year. Come on. Yeah. Is that That's the French right. guy? Yeah. Okay. He was playing D3 thing. and he was dominating a D3, D3, but he's playing D3 from, from D3. Norwich. Yeah. I mean, if my if my college had, had a hockey team, it would have been a D three team. My, uh, you know, I, we would have hated each other, John. So that's right. Well, we did anyway. But, we did anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, the point is, I I just think that this uh, this is why Gate and I and I will not. I, pr- I swear I will not <laughs> resurrect this. But this is why Gate and I were so gung ho on signing Robin Leonard because he made so much sense, yeah. um, and not just in terms of right now, but for the next five years and. Um, they, they don't have, so that they, you know, and if they're, if they're going to, if they're going to, you know, say, well, you know, we've got our eyes on this guy or that guy we think is really going to be the next big star. How could they have any credibility saying that at this point? 
You know, they don't scout their own guys very well. They, they always overvalue their own guys. I mean, to the point of, you know, screwing up trades and not being able for anybody to actually make a hockey trade with them. You know, so again, I just, I think the goalie situation, like the Calton situation underscores just how completely foobar this front office is. I think Eric has the answer there with his uh, background. Voucher Peters. (laughs) I'm going to get a seizure from that. (laughs) Yeah. Is that an artistic piece, Eric? (laughs) Where? Who's bringing back Ken Simpson? Oh, and since nobody. Yeah. Well, now and then you have Aaron over there, who is the answer to our uh, depth scoring, which is uh, Scott Powers' favorite forward, Max yeah. Shalunov. Yeah, who the Blackhawks are at twenty-seven years old are going to bring over here, and he's going to uh, answer all their depth scoring problems. Yeah. Doctor Zhivago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. He's I, as good as Victor Tikhanov. We're in good shape. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I hate to I hate to stir it back on a serious conversation, but um, <laughs> you know, talking too about like the goalie market, right? I mean, you mentioned you know paying Braden Holpe. Braden Holpe's numbers have been terrible. Yeah. You know, the only reason his win numbers look good is because he plays at <laughs> the Capitals. Like that's the only oh, yeah. reason. His his goals in forty eight games just during this I'll say current season because it's not technically over. Uh, he has a 311 goals against and an yeah. 897 save percentage. That's well, horrible. I mean, Carey Price had horrible numbers this year, too. I mean, I, you know, I personally saw Holpe save the Capitals' butts a couple of years ago in their first round series against the Blue Jackets when uh, Grubauer played the first couple of games and, and mm. lost those games. And then Holpe came in and basically kind of saved the Caps' butts in, in that series. That was, that was their know. cup year, right? Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I listen, I, I'm not, I'm not a Hopi, a huge Hopi fan, but I also think Hopi's probably in the top five goalies in the league. Um, I don't know about that. Well, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, not anymore. Not anymore. I mean, right? it, he wasn't right. even a starter. He wasn't even the full time starter this year yeah. Yeah. In, in Washington. But so still, he wasn't even the best goalie on his own team. Uh, and I don't disagree, but you know what? Yeah. He's going to get paid in free agents. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. I think Something he'll get paid, but overpaid. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. I, don't, I, I don't know that you're going to see him getting uh, nine million. I think you may see him get set six and a half or seven, uh, but, which, which is than, still. I think it's more than seven. I bet he does. So the top, the free agent goalies are Holpe, Crawford, or two B, I should say, because it's your Leonard, uh, Craig Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> That's JJ's uh, guy. Jacob Markstrom. Uh, is he forty, Anderson? He's almost 40, I think, right? He's uh, a year older than Crawford. 39. He's 39. 39. Thomas Grice. And uh, yeah, it goes down real fast. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we're already into the. You're already into marginal backups. Yep. I mean, I would I would argue the only. Cam Talbot, player. Halak, Ugh, Anton Kudobin. These Mike, are great backups. Mike yeah. Condon, Brian Elliott, Mike Smith, Sick Aaron backups. Dell. <laughs> And I'm done. I'm not. I'm not reading any more names. I, I think. I think the only name in that group outside of the aforementioned top three, which is Crawford, Leonard, and Holtby, that I would even be okay with being a starting goaltender in Chicago is Markstrom. But even then, he's, he's not going he's, anywhere. Even but he's yeah. thirty. Agree, but he's thirty yeah. already. That's why yeah. Leonard made that much more sense. Leonard's only twenty-eight years old. Mm-hmm. He's just hitting his his you know 
he's clean now in life. He's hitting his true potential of the goaltender they thought he would be when he came up years and years and years ago with Ottawa as a teenager. And it just stand, you know, poops the bed. And just that honestly, there's probably two moves that when they happened, I actually felt some type of feeling in my like heart about. And that was the first time Brandon Saad was traded away because Brandon Saad's my favorite player. And that's my obsession player as we were touching on. I thought it was Ryan Carpenter, but in any event, I do love Carpy, but Brandon Saad (laughs) is my guy. Has anybody ever seen them together in the same room at the same time? (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be the same person. Carpenter actually looks like uh, Marcus Kruger, but move on. Oh, wait a minute. Be still my heart. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, you know, but I mean, that was, you know, just, and then the lantern trade because that made so much sense to keep him and extend him. And I know obviously we had, you know, plenty of, of propaganda for that here at the rank. And it just, it, it, it really <laughs> made so much sense of sign the guy. Now let him play here. He likes playing here. He likes the franchise. He's willing to come, you know, and then whoa, of course, oh, that's alleged alleged right there. Alleged, but you know, fans like, um, uh, right. he's personable. I mean, he won this team. He won this, this fan base over in, in half a year. Yeah. yeah, very quickly. Yeah, I'd argue in very the quickly. first two months of the season, he was a fan favorite. I started very seeing Leonard jerseys in November. Oh, boy. I think the those people are going to be very upset. It's okay. I'm, 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 sub, I'm upset about my Nick Schmaltz jersey, too. So. <laughs> I don't think I, any goalie like, likes getting pelted 50 times a night. Yeah, well. No. I don't think the front office liked how outspoken he was. Probably uh, not. No, not well, at all. Wasn't uh, anyone on the Hawks like that for a while, and but now we got Subban. We're talking about Subban. You know, he he's also, the future. <laughs> going back Subban, to Leonard. Subban is going uh, is not sticking around. No. Yeah. no. Going back to Leonard, we also heard uh, through sources that he was not a big fan of Jeremy Colton. Yeah, uh, <laughs> to say the least. So there may have been some conflict there, you know, um, and that <clears> may have been part of it too as well. But um, yeah, I mean, it, so the goalie position is is a mess. And what they'll do is they will – probably re-sign Crawford. Um, they may end up paying more than they should, um, or that, 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 you know, that they would have had to in terms of relative value to, to, uh, to Leonard. Um, and then they'll spin it as, you know, Corey's our guy. He's won, he's won three Stanley cups. Well, yeah, two. two. Um, and with a great team in front of him, he's a good goalie. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here to, to dump on Crawford. Um, but no, but he's starting to get to that expiration date. Yeah, exactly. Good, but very and you, fragile. <laughs> right, right. You can't hedge your fr- you can't hedge your future on him at all. No, right. No, and, and that one is- time he got kneed in the head that just this year, I think all of us held our breath for a second. We're like, uh oh, if they get rid of you know oh, Lena, yeah. yeah, and he got just that, got kneed that, in the head and he's out for nine more months yeah. with post concussion, <laughs> he may end his career. Tompkins era was underway. <laughs> yeah, that was okay. That was another you know, oh shit moment. With yep. Crawford taking another blow, and it's just like, ugh. But hey, Malcolm Subban got his minute and a half in a, in a Blackhawks uniform. So hey, <laughs> good on him for that. A shutout too. But imagine yeah. if this season kept going, and they were just gonna keep throwing Crawford out there and just get pelted. What does that take him into the offseason and next season? I mean, just didn't didn't seem takes, like any plan for that. So takes yeah. years off his life. I was yeah. going to say, it's almost like a blessing in disguise that they couldn't continue this season and just keep throwing him out there, especially if they're going to re-sign him and commit to him for another two years, for example. I mean, yeah, it would have been it would have been just a, a suicide mission for Crawford. Like you said, he's getting pelted by 50 shots a night, and they weren't even thinking about letting Subban play. I think the first indication of that is when he didn't play against Detroit. Yeah. 
In the back-to-backs, yeah. You, you yeah. figure for sure the, you're going to put a goalie in the back-to-back. Well, nope. I think well, I they, was, they were trying to keep that playoff dream alive is what they were trying to do. And if, if they, if or when they had gotten eliminated from the playoffs, you might have seen um, Subban play a couple of games. I, I, I think so. so. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they lose that game? Yeah. Detroit? They did. They did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which, which blew me away because I was in Detroit about a week before that maybe a little longer than that and i watched them get destroyed by the wild seven to one so i was sitting there watching the wings like win that game and just like this is not the same team apparently that i just watched get whitewashed by the wild and the wings were historically bad this year yeah like historically bad and you can't play your backup goalie against them yeah i mean they the only player that was of any real skill for them this year that they had healthy all year was larkin Mantha missed a ton of time. Hell, Philip Kronick was your star defenseman on that team this year. Nobody knows who the hell that is. Like, well, I do. Well, guys, man. that's going to be Chris. the Chicago Blackhawks in five years. Oh. <laughs> uh, the Hawks, be five years? The Hawks are two years. They're on these. that trajectory. They're on the same trajectory as the Detroit Red Wings have been for the last 10 years. Look at that. You made Ron drink. <laughs> it's a gift I have, <laughs> but I'm serious. I mean, they're they're I don't I, I don't see how this team meaning as long as they have all this money wrapped up in these contracts of aging players, mm-hmm. I don't see how they're going to meaningfully get meaningfully better. I just I just don't see it. I mean, it's the same thing Detroit did. They didn't yeah. bite the bullet. They just they kept they kept these guys around forever. You know, finally they dumped uh, Datsuk's contract off on Arizona, which, I, from what I could tell, that's not as easy as it used to be. That that whole th- like what they did with Hosa, it's not as easy as it used to be. And I I just don't I don't know if, if there's any easy way out of this. I don't think anyone's going to come to the Blackhawks nope. aid anymore. They're nope. not they're they're not the you know they're they're not the darling of the NHL that they that they used to be with like hey you know nudge nudge wink wink take this right. contract off our hands and right you know, we'll, we'll, we'll help you out down the road or anything like that. They don't have that pull anymore. Shovel day off is not going to do it anymore. That's for sure. No. Pat Kane still has three years on his deal. Just saying. That's, <laughs> see that, see, that's fine. When you, I mean, he's, he's, he's all right. Yeah. He's probably him and Tay is probably the only two guys that are like, if they play out their contracts, that's fine. Yeah. Like that's live with that. It's, it's Seabrook and, and Keith and, you know, it's it's those two that are like, you know, there's I can't fathomly see them playing out those contracts or even more than a year or two more. No, I'm there's saying candidates no have value still. Yeah, yeah they do. exactly. They do. Yeah. Although, you know, Taves has had some injuries. I mean, this last year he was he's been pretty healthy and played pretty well. But I mean, there were a couple of years there where he was struggling with some back issues. Concussion and, issues, too. Don't forget about yeah, those. Yeah. So he's got some hard miles on him. Um, you know, you just hope he doesn't, you know, hit the, the side of the cliff like Seabrook did. You know, the big problem with Seabrook is he's making $7 million a year till like the next century. That's, that's the big problem there. I mean, Keith is still a relative value at his cap hit. Um, he but, can't be playing 25 minutes a night anymore. Though. Uh, yeah. Right. No, it's true. Yeah. You got to basically play him on the, well, at least Seabrook on the, on the third pair and, uh, shelter him almost at this point in time for $7 million a year. If you're any other team, wouldn't you throw a ton of draft picks at the Blackhawks for Pat Kane? 
It's a, it's if you a could, no, it, it's if a you no could afford him, clause. you could. No movement clause. He's first of all, first leave. of all, Sean, they asked Pat Kane, "Hey, would you stay for a rebuild?" And he and Pat Kane said, "Yeah, we'll see in the summer." So, I, it's stranger things have happened. And quite honestly, these guys, Kane, uh, uh, he he Kane wants to win more. Whether it's in Chicago, I believe that if if he's given the opportunity to win somewhere else, and the Hawks continue the way they've been for the last three four years now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he accepted a, a, an opportunity to leave. I wouldn't. But is but but is a team going to give up that much of a haul for him? Why not? Uh, if you're I, a team, I don't know. I'm not the other team. I mean, if you're a team that's close, a year. yeah. If you're a team that's close and you could use a star scorer, um, I actually yeah. just as an example, I think a, a decent example is is JJ's team over there is Columbus. That's kind of the one thing they truly lack is a star scorer. Yeah, I don't you know? think Kane would wave to go there though. No, I agree, but I just I that type of that type of team though. You know what yep. I mean? Where yep. you know maybe you're you're that one star forward away from being a legitimate contender year in and yeah. year out. And all oh, you mean sudden, like the New York Rangers, right? <laughs> Where a friend of his plays. I'm just saying, maybe, but that's <laughs> yeah. a lot of money to take in two years. I was just gonna say you got to be a team that can take on ten million dollars a year. Especially when you still have guys like, you know, Zabanajad and, and they have some of these young kids too. That well, but here's the thing. Too. Here's the thing though. I mean, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. I'm not arguing for trading gain to the Rangers. I'm not doing that, but I am saying that when you start going, well, there's no kid, there's no cap room there, et cetera. Well, who's to say they couldn't send a contract back like sure. a $5 million contract back. So sure I mean, they can. there are a lot of ways to do it, you know, it, and it, it, it's, but it's going to come down to is if they, if a, if, if he's willing to go somewhere um, and what, the, what that team might offer, you know, it's, it could be, it could go a lot of different ways. I think the craziest guy out there is the GM of the New York Islanders and he would definitely do it. They got the pick, get picks enough. and the prospects. I Absolutely. think if they could fit it in, there are, are a lot of teams who probably would take him on. I was going to say, you think the Hawks, I don't think they should do it, but I don't know if they could get enough value in return. Sure. They you can say you want. Oh yeah, they could. Especially you want prospects state. back, though. Most prospects are already open. That your good prospects are usually up already in the NHL, and their teams going to want to get rid of them when they're already in contention. But I mean, they're going to have to fleece their roster just to get. But if they have like a, if it's like a two or three year window, and Patrick Kane gives you the best chance to win those two to three years, hell like yeah, you could you could stack cups with that if he's if he's that piece, and you're not right. worried about four years down. He also the sells tickets. Right, a shit ton of tickets. You go for it. I th- yeah, I think if, I think if you're if you're a team close and you're thinking you can get Patrick Kane for another three seasons where he's putting up 80, 90, maybe a hundred points, I think you're willing to give up ro- roster player, top prospect, and like one or two first round picks or something like that yep. to yeah. to go for it. And when when you say first round picks, it's not like twenty fifth or twenty sixth, which is essentially a high second round pick it's it's going to be a top 15 top 10 pick where you know again it, it, it it's going to take the right team with that identify that has a lot of those picks and you know they're they're right at that point and they're going to do it you know it's like the days don't exist anymore where the hawks a team like the hawks can go out and spend like you know drive a truck up to marion hose's house and, and unload 80 million dollars anymore i mean yeah Sometimes you see those deals in free agency, but it's, it's not like it used to be. I mean, with the, with the cap now and the cap being in place as long as it's been in place, 
And, you know, you're going to, to get a guy like that, sometimes you're going to have to trade and you're going to have to trade a lot. And always, always at the in-season trade deadline in February or right before the draft, there are, if a guy's on the market and he's that kind of guy, there are teams that are going to step up and then they're going to start bidding against each other. And that's when it starts getting crazy. Always happens. John, how yeah. do these pieces sound? Oliver Wallstrom, Kiefer Bellows, Noah Dobson, first round picks. What do you think? Uh, Noah Dobson. You know he wants Noah Dobson. <laughs> oh, I knew. Anyone yeah, who I knows mean, JJ. Oh. Take, take, take those three and a first? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I would. I mean, Walter Dobson, I mean, and a, and a nice pick. I mean, Dobson's going to be a great player. Mm. Dobson's going to be Seth Jones in three or four years. You know? Wow. But is he going to be David Runblay? No, he's not going to be that. Nobody can be. <laughs> as I'm wearing my David Runblay jersey. <laughs> Scott All right, so what else we got? Or do we want to we want to mercifully end this? <laughs> Anyone else got any subjects? Uh, you know what? Actually, uh, Ray Dampientic, he he brought up. I brought this up a little earlier. Um, he was asking if he thought if we thought Stanbo would uh, Stanbo, yeah, would uh, take a shot at uh, former first round draft picks that would uh, that could use a change of scenery. <laughs> The answer is yes. One of them is Angelo Esposito, and the other one was, uh, I think, Nikita Filatov. If I'm I'm going off the top of my head, what do you what do do you think? That's what Ray wanted to to bring up. Can we work Rob Shrimp into that too? (laughs) (laughs) Rob Shrimp and Dave Boland, junior all stars. Yeah, we also Dave Boland was a decent player. Yes, he was. He did join for what he was. He was yeah. But he did score like 160 points in uh, junior. Yeah, David, if you're watching, we think you were a decent player. So yes, we like David Bowen. But, we do uh, <laughs> love David Bowen. Yeah. I had a, and a good shirt lacrosse team. player. The rat. Or I have a question for Mario. Mario, you uh, recently released some projected lines for next year's IceHogs team. What's uh, what's your opinion of that lineup and that roster for next season? I did. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that was gate i'm sorry that no. was your your video game thing oh that was my video game thing yeah next year I mean, well you know you're gonna have evan barrett and you're gonna have uh ian mitchell hopefully and uh uh alt uh what is it andre alti barmakian nailed it yep uh you're gonna have those guys uh to deal with next year plus uh probably another year dylan sakura probably and uh yeah, yeah. i yeah See, are you asking me to project the ice hogs next year <laughs> I'm, tell, I'm telling you okay i can i can off the top of my head i don't have a computer for me off the top of my head i can probably give you a couple names um yeah i would i would expect uh nicholas bodane uh to be in there i would expect um Chad Chris to be in there. I'm going to say Delia goes up to the NHL. Um, so your two goalies are probably going to be Lonkinen and Tompkins, which is fine. That's that's not a bad AHL one-two. Hell yeah, Tompkins. Um, I'm going to say Brandon Hagel stays. I I'm going to say Brandon Hagel stays in, in Rockford for a bit probably goes up to Chicago next year at some point. Coffee he's another, yeah, he's another one of those like <laughs> at 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 this point he's like one of those like 4A players where like he's really he's he's very good at the AHL level and 
probably could find his game at the NHL level. Uh, Sakura brothers are going to be there. Uh, Mackenzie and Wilson will be there. Gabriel Gagne will be Lucas there. Carlson. Uh, I think they like Carlson in Chicago. Uh, I don't know if there's a spot for him exactly, but I think if, if he's not in Chicago, he'll get there pretty quickly next year. Um, God, he's the guy they just signed. Garrett Mitchell, he'll be there next year. Um, I know these are names that no one cares about as Blackhawks fans, but those are those are some guys that you can you can pretty much guarantee they're going to be around. Um, I think Alex Fortan is on contract for next year as well. Soderlund, he'll be, he'll be around. Soderlund, yep, he'll probably. I mean, I don't know why they sent him down to Indy this year because he scored six points in six games. Baby. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I was, was going to say he like did not need to go to the to Indy, but he did. Uh, and he I did think really that's well where Elty Barmakian is going to end up. Honestly, yes. What about uh, Hacker Reinen? He was hurt all year. I only saw him. He only played like what nine games, ten games like that. So, I mean, it, when he played in Indy, I think he had. I think he was another guy that had like four points in like three games or something like that in Indy. Um, trying John, John Quinville too. Is he on contract for next yeah, year? Yeah, he team? has one more. Is he? Okay, then yeah, he'll okay. be there. He'll be there. If not, he might bounce up i don't know they gave him a shot earlier this year and he didn't stick around so dennis gilbert yeah i think carlton might i think <laughs> that size says it all I think carlton <laughs> he always gets his, that reaction <laughs> i think carlton took his spot actually. yeah i do too i, I think i think in the short sample that carlson got yeah, i think agreed. i think they they might have liked what they saw to him more than gilbert but gilbert's the kind of player that the hawks don't really have is a guy that can be like primarily like a physical player and like you know if you get if you get into a situation where you need to muck it up a bit he's a guy who's willing to do that carlson's not that type of player so i don't know we've we'll we seen the last of alex 14 he's Uh-oh. he'll he'll either be in he'll be in rockford or maybe they move him i don't know but i don't think he's i don't think he's the nhl caliber player that i think we thought he might have been in early on in his career. So Highmore basically passed him. Yeah. I think I just yeah. saw John shed a tear. They're similar <laughs> players. I love Highmore though too. So it's it's I'm kind of torn. Torn between two prospects. Yeah. Jacob Nielsen, that's another one, another name. I don't think he's on contract for next year. I think Nielsen signed an extension into this year and I don't think he's on for next year. He's an RFA. Yeah. And I uh, don't Vadeen. know. I don't know if he comes back. Vadeen I think is in the similar situation. I don't know if he's on a contract for next year either. Um, but if he is, I would I would bring him back because he's a guy who could go up up and down, you know, in a pinch. Um, but how about Kershaw? Kershaw was good. Yeah, I, I think he's I think he's definitely got the potential to be in the NHL either next year or shortly after that. I mean, the Hawks hit, think that too. Yeah, he got hit with he got bit by the injury bug, so that kind of hurt him. It, it really derailed him. He was he had like a stretch of like, I think he had like 13 points in like a 15 game stretch, and then got I think he had a upper body quote unquote injury, and I think he just he just missed a chunk of time right when he got hot. So yeah, I think I think he's gonna jump up pretty quickly. And I and and that to bring this all right back to where we started, 
Um, that could be part of the reason why they would be considering moving Dylan Strom mm-hmm. is that Kurashev is in the system. Could be that, you know, maybe third line center and maybe Kirby Dox is second line center and Jonathan Taze is your, you know, first line center and there you go. And uh, maybe even Evan Barrett is the fourth line center if they, you know, get rid of Kampf or let him go or trade him or do whatever they're going to do with him. So there you are up the middle. So, yeah, that's a possibility. So, Speaking of, why don't you yeah. tell us about Regula? Alec Regula? Yeah, you know this guy, right? I know him a little bit um, from my my prospects coverage still. I don't know. He's he's intriguing. I think the fact that they got him as a former third-round pick in, in the trade for Perlini was I, – I don't want to call it a steal, obviously, because it's way too early to put a label on it. But I think at least from an upside perspective, it was a good play. You know, you can get a, a decent – you know, I think he projects just because he's he's kind of on the bigger side, and I don't remember who mentioned it that he's he's a little slow, but you know maybe he is kind of that third pairing defenseman that can provide a little offense, and you know is just a, a good big body that you know is okay defensively, and he's he's a decent five. I mean, if that's the worst thing you get out of a Brendan Perlini trade, who just admittedly was never going to mesh with this team based on numbers, I think it's a good play. Um, so I don't, I don't hate it at all. It's nice to have a guy in the system. Who's got a little bit of size. He's like six, four and he's over like two Oh five, which is pretty big for a guy you that has been reportedly a puck moving defenseman, which is, you, you know, the only thing that Stan likes when he sees a defenseman that's puck moving, he wants them. So, right. uh, but it's nice. What speaking Did, of non puck moving defenseman, what about Slava Demon? Are you Aaron? asking me? Oh, Aaron. Okay. I have is no, that Aaron? no, pit. I don't want to be on the record about this, but <laughs> no, I, I I've interviewed Slava once um, really kind of quiet kid. Um, I still think that's a big TBD. I don't know if that was a throw in. I know they said that, yeah, they've been scouting him for a long time. Cause he didn't really, uh, play blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think that they was scouted just... Thomas Yurko for a long time too. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they did. They were after him for six weeks, and and obviously they they saw something they need had just had to have. Yeah, yeah. Called a cup champion. <laughs> no, but with uh, with Demon, I, I think you just got to kind of wait. I think he's a guy who could play three or four years and just see what happens. But I know his freshman year is like really adjusting to the college game and um, had issues with decision making and um, you know his passes, but he's become a lot more reliable and. Uh, and I know a lot of people reported him as like big and physical. Like, I don't really see that to tell you the truth. Um, but you know, he's a lot more reliable now and he plays on a really good team and a great program. So he's solid, but TBD. What are, what are his measurements? Height, weight? Like, you know, <laughs> under, under six. No, you'll hear, look it up. I, I'm going to mention something too. Um, it, I found it strange that this guy was supposed to possibly be a defensive type type player. And then the two, um, the two defensemen, two other defensemen on Denver were uh, basically voted the best defensive pair in the country. And uh, it didn't include Ian Mitchell or Slava Demon. So that was kind of weird. Six two one ninety. It's not bad. Not at all. Better than five ten one sixty five. Yeah, can can we talk about this for a second? I mean, I know I've been covering covering the Avs for most of this year, but mm-hmm. a year ago, we were just talking about how the Blackhawks are just having all these elite defensive prospects coming out of their ears, and I feel like that's a different story now. I think a lot has changed in the last year, um, whether that's like the view of 
Boquist or, you know, Yoki Haru moving on and Mitchell coming up, but do you guys still think that the last few years of drafts in the first couple of rounds, like all these defensemen, do you think it's the same hype as it was a year ago? Because it used to be huge. Well, losing Yoki Haru is a huge hit to their. That to will their never young, make sense. It's a huge hit to their young defensive depth. Um, I think we saw enough out of Boquist in the in his rookie year this year where you can pretty much say he's probably on the right track to being like a top end guy at least in, in my eyes that's what i that's what i saw is that he was kind of thrown in there and didn't really sink in a sink or swim situation so i think that was promising i think the what what hurt was this year was nicholas bodan i i think a lot of people thought he was going to jump off the page and and really just jump into the pro game and and be kind of stride and stride with Boquist, and that just wasn't the case, uh, especially early on. It just, I mean, he was getting scratched, and it's just like, oh, man, like, you, you look at you look at guys that were drafted. I didn't know that. Yeah, you look at guys that were drafted, you know, just after him and, and in, in that same area, and you're like, man, they could have had so-and-so and so-and-so. I know we, we play that game all the time. Um, but I think he, he – kind of came he came around late in the season but it's he's definitely not at that spot where you're like okay first round pick who's going to jump into the lineup right away or anything like that look at him prospect camp he was playing with uh Bocrest, and it was mm-hmm. kind of it kind of it looked like it was being set up to be kind of a keith seabrook kind of situation even though you know yeah, bodan's not really the seabrook type of player but in that role of babysitting, you know, the wild stallion and sitting right. back on the, on the back end and kind of, you know, controlling things and being, you know, that, that, uh, that back end calmness. And uh, it, it just, yeah, exactly what Myra was saying. Well, and that would have been great if those two would have been able to stick around in Rockford for a full season, but Boquist jumped up and rightfully so. Um so then Bodan was kind of bounced around, you know, throughout the lineup in, in, in Rockford. Um, he's still what, 20 years old, I think, you know, so he's, he's going to, I think he's going to come around. I think uh, everyone's first, first pro years is, can be challenging. So there's that. I, th- I think Ian Mitchell is from what I've seen from him. I don't think that there's any reason to doubt that he won't get a shot at the NHL next year. Um <laughs> I mean, why not? And look at Aaron. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, just why not? You know, give him give him the the shot that you're hoping for. I mean, they, give him the shot to be the player that you're hoping for him to be. Um, you know, they they gave it to Dylan Sakura right when he signed right out of college. So, uh, you know, I think Ian's Ian's earned that shot. Um, yeah, I I I, I think the. My whole point is the loss, the loss of Yoki Haru and the slow progression of of Nicholas Bonet changes the narrative a lot. But I think with Mitchell and with Boquist, I think you got two guys that are young and can probably step into the NHL and hopefully develop and make make an impact rather quickly. Can I can I throw an off the wall question? Yes. That- totally deviates from what we were talking about. And I apologize please, for that. Please do. Um, but tying back to some, some minor league discussion, obviously the lone team not affiliated with any of our branches, we cover is the wolves. Where do you guys think that affiliation goes? Because St. Louis has already signed with Springfield with the Falcons. Um, you know, Vegas has already committed to, to buying the San Antonio rampage and moving them to Henderson. 
And really the only team right now that's without an AHL affiliate is the Florida Panthers. So do you think that's a match made in heaven or do you think there's going to be more shuffling that happens and the Wolves get a, a brand new affiliate going into next year? I mean, honestly, honestly, they could just stay independent. Uh, they've done that before. Yeah, going so, back to their IHL days. Yeah. Yeah, I think, the, I think the last thing I heard is that there was going to be some shuffling where Charlotte go would would go to be Florida's affiliate, and then Chicago would go to Carolina's affiliate, which, I mean, I don't know why Carolina would give that up because it's such a perfect situation, but um yeah i don't know i i really i really don't know where they're gonna end up going i mean st louis did the blues say that they weren't going there oh no the blues got the, the springfield yeah yep. right 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 so yeah so i mean blues wouldn't go back to chicago um so yeah i mean there's 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 going to be some shuffling and uh, i just i think they're uh, i think they, they they like being able to operate independently uh, but I don't know if they're going to, I don't know if that's the route that they're going to go. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I, I think it's just interesting because uh, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to obviously cover the games now. And I have a, a friend of mine that is a season ticket holder and he's a really big Wolves fan. And he and I have discussed at length about it. And it's just, you know, when that, that Carolina rumor officially, you know, first came out, I, I agree, Mario, I said the exact same thing. It's like, why would you give that up when you have that convenient, you know, it's right there, yeah. right down the street, essentially. I mean, obviously not literally, but you know, you're right there. And, and so many teams are going to that now. That's why Vegas did what they did. That's why, you know, all those California teams bought those e, uh, ECHL franchises and, and moved them up to the A, you know, that's why, uh, you know, so many teams are moving in that direction now that Colorado Eagles. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Hey, that's mm-hmm. another example. And the so San Diego like, goals, right. With Anaheim, yep. the Ontario rain with LA, like, yep. Yeah, and it and it makes sense, and it, I I think that's why you know obviously Rockford being with you know Chicago makes a ton of sense, but you know it's it's interesting to think you know what team yeah, you know, and really it felt like St. Louis was a match made in heaven again. Granted, I know there was some tension and the, the reason they you know split in the first place, but you know it's it's the most convenient from you know the travel aspect of open AHL teams, and you decide on Springfield, Massachusetts as your as your location, you know, it, it just, it feels kind of weird. And, you know, I, I guess it would, you know, Florida might just be kind of pigeonholed into, into affiliating with the wolves, but you know, I, a, I don't think Florida has a ton of talent and I know the wolves organization is very proud and wants to win. Um, you know, really outside of, you know, I know Owen Tippett's down there. I know the Hepo Nieme kids down there. Um, I fully expect, um, the uh, kid that played at DU, wasn't it Borgstrom, right? And Rick Borgstrom. And yeah, Borgstrom. He's, he's, he's a Panthers guy. Yeah, he'll he'll probably be up, though, next year, realistically, especially with uh, Trocek being traded. So The artist. Yeah, so, I mean, they don't have a ton of talent, so I don't know if that's something even the Wolves would want to do. So it, it it would be interesting to see if, uh, you know, if, if the Wolves decided to run independent for, you know, a, a year or two and, and kind of let things reshuffle a little bit. But no, just wanted to get your guys' take on that. I was curious. Ron and Mario, what do you think about the Eagles potentially realigning into the Central Division? Huh. Eagles are a good team. <laughs> yeah, Eagles are good. <laughs> you guys can have a um, first-hand look at Bo Byram. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> sure. 
Especially you mean he's he does so good? No, he's going right to the first uh, first pair on the ass. Him and him that's and that's we were told. Yeah, that's what we were told. You joke now. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if they're if they're up for playing a full seventy six game season, not playing the uh, the soft Pacific Division se- season, then uh, yeah, bring bring them on over. Two very big words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's strange. I, I went to an Eagles game uh, this year, and I really like the vibe. It's a small stadium. Um, the cowbell thing I'm not crazy about, but I guess that's all over the AHL. And maybe you guys that's, can Yeah, Rockford does that. Yeah, Rockford oh my does God. it too. It they love their cowbell. Ridiculous. The do I do like that they serve Dunkin' Donuts coffee um, at the Eagles games. <laughs> Excuse me, John. It's better than Timmy's, though. Ooh. But um, It's not saying much. I'll give you that. I, I don't like Timmy's at all. Yeah, I, I like that vibe that they've got over there in, in Loveland. You drive you drive up and it's like, where the hell are we? We're in like, you know, Rockford, like, Illinois. Not not even, <laughs> dude. Not even Rockford. <laughs> at least you get shot in Rockford. <laughs> at least. Or get get taken down by a tornado. <clears throat> they got that authentic authentic Mexican food there at Taco Bell. And then uh, you know, Olive Garden is the best Italian restaurant there. <laughs> Which is lovely. <laughs> Nothing wrong with soup salad breadsticks. <laughs> All you can eat. <laughs> All you can eat pasta. I would love to hear also from Eric about his contributions to Scott Power's article on uh recent stories from season ticket holders at the United Center. There oh, we yeah, go. I reached out to him and uh he sent me an email of a bunch of questions that I answered and uh, he was just looking to get info from uh season ticket holders, but uh yeah, he was asking about how long we've had him, the price we paid when we first had him compared to now, and uh, just the how we feel as like being treated as a season ticket holder. And uh, yeah, obviously it's price-wise big difference compared to I've had him 15 years now. Um, so obviously they were dirt cheap when I first got them because uh, no one was there. And why I was there, I don't know. I just love hockey and love the Hawks. So, um, but yeah, now it's uh, 180 is price-wise, but the tough thing now is they're still charging for a championship team when they're not so that's the uh that's the tough call to make you know you love being there every night but it's almost not worth it anymore especially the secondary market um is so cheap you can get tickets day of game for 10 20 bucks and uh you know my seats right now are 85 a ticket so it's uh past three years uh, couldn't even give them away for half price. I mean, it'd have to be cheaper than that. So, uh, yeah, if I would say if this everything was normal and the season was still going, and I decide, I actually the date was April third to decide for next year to renew or not. I probably would have said no, but with everything going on, I'm curious to see what happens. And everything's been pushed back. Obviously, if one they are saying don't worry about paying or deciding yet, so it's a tough call. That's for sure. Yeah. Cool. I think uh, I think we've discussed about everything, huh, guys? Just about. Cool. It was a good discussion for no hockey being played right now. Yeah. No, no, a- no yeah. avalanche questions for me. I'm guessing. <laughs> Why are the avalanche good? You got a couple. I did get a couple. But were they? I didn't. I didn't see them. 
Something about oh, a Patrick Kane no. trade. Oh, oh, no, yeah, we yeah. just we just asked him in, oh, asked him in our in our yeah, discussion. I thought there were some other ones. Yeah, we yeah. just asked him why Patrick was and bad coach on the team. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Former uh, coach of the year. I'm not going to go there. So. Can, we, can we also make note, too, of how enjoyable it's been watching Gate try and look through that Luchador mask this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> and his phone and stuff, and he's like... <laughs> Yeah, it's been very enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. He was eating through it too for a while. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's got a big enough hole to get food into my yap. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tune in next week, ladies and gentlemen, when Gate will eat a banana. Uh, oh. uh, there's no significance. No, to that's, that. that's 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 premium hey, content. You got to pay for that. That's after 10 p.m. on channel 27. <laughs> Well, I think before we do wrap this up, we would do want to like uh, you know give a little shout out to like all the first responders and stuff. Eric, nice. in the middle, yes, first responder. Um, awesome. Yeah, so we want to give respect out to uh, all the first responders that are they're going through all the craziness that's putting themselves at risk every single day. So uh, I just wanted to make sure that I uh, uh, got that in uh, because we're here having fun because. We're trapped in our homes, but Eric's going out every day or, or at least for his shifts and putting his life on the line with this coronavirus nonsense. And uh, let's just hope that, uh, you know, everything goes well for everybody and, uh, and stuff. So, yeah, I'm going to throw that out also for doctors and nurses right now. And even undertakers are at great risk. Um, it's uh, somebody, somebody explained something about that to me today, what the, the some of the precautions they're having to take and, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, we all complain about, you know, being stuck in our houses watching Netflix, but uh, there's some people who are really dealing with some heavy stuff right now. And and certainly the the families of uh, the people who've got this too as well. So we're thinking about you here at the rink. Yeah, for sure. So factory right. workers too. Um, I know a lot of factories and warehouses, mine hasn't shut down at all. And the, they've been working this entire time because we're an essential business. So those yeah. those people are putting it on the line every day to keep the country what semblance we have going. So those guys too, delivery people, things delivery, like that. Yeah. Gro- yeah. grocery stores, yeah, all all those guys. I'm very grateful for Jets Pizza in this time of <laughs> inconvenience and national national concern. So yeah, well, it's just it's good to know that if my house is on fire, Eric's going to be show. People like Eric are going to be showing up to help uh, put it out. So could be yeah. worse. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm thankful so, for Eric Andrews. <laughs> Aren't we all? No, you're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I've just never said that before. Eric, did you sh- try. Eric, did you show Mario your jersey? Yeah, is that a Caulfield jersey? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Extra small. That's <laughs> like the one he wears. Guy. Very Youth large. <laughs> Youth XL. All right, guys. We're gonna. I think we're gonna yeah, wind up. Yeah, we're gonna wrap this up. So uh, for John Jekyll, me, Ron Luce, Eric Andrews, and we have Eric Johnson, we have Aaron Goldschmidt, we have Mario Tarabasi, we have Sean Fitzgerald. Uh, this is the signing out. <laughs>